Alerta, Alerta, Antifaschista, 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 Alerta, Alerta, Hey everybody, welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's July 10th, 2020. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in San Francisco, and we are on unceded Ramatush Ohlone land. And I'll be sharing more information about that throughout the show, so please do stay tuned. And the first thing I can do, I will do, as I'm getting myself... Uh, together here is share a link of news sources that folks can follow. And this is from uh, Rebecca Nagel, who I follow on Twitter, and I would encourage folks to follow Rebecca as well. You can do so by going on Twitter. You don't have to have a Twitter account to uh, read folks' twi- tweets. Um, f- Rebecca Nagel's handle is at R-E-B-E-C-C-A-N-A-G-L-E. And Rebecca tweeted July 8th of this week, uh, between Trump visiting Mount Rushmore, racist mascots, and Dapple getting shut down, natives have been in the news a lot this week, but newsworthy events are always happening in Indian country, which is why you should follow and subscribe to native news outlets. And Rebecca provides a, l- a thread of different news outlets that folks can follow, and I'll be reading the handles right now. I've also retweeted this, so you can also uh, follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. The first is at Indian Country, which provides breaking news and commentary. There's the NDN Collective, which is a podcast and blog. There's um, I the handle is at INDIANZ, breaking news on court cases and legislation. There's at NA Journalists, which is Association of Native Journalists. There's at uh, Powwows, and that's mostly Powwow Circuit and other stuff too. There's at Native underscore News Net which, and Newsnet's all one word, for news and commentary. And they also, um, there's also non-native outlets with native staff dedicated to NDN country, including Indigenous Affairs Desk at Highway Country News with Graham Brewer and uh, Callan Goodluck, and that's K-A-L-E-N-G-O-O-D-L-U-C-K. It's the only native desk at a non-native newspaper in the U.S. There's at... Nick A underscore Martin at the New Republic, and Allison R, and that's A-L-I-S-O-N-A-H-E-R at K-O-S-U Radio. And there's many more. Um, there's tribal news outlets, including Navajo Times, the Cherokee, Cherokee Phoenix, and one that's at M-V-S-K-O-K-E Media. There's Osage News, and that's O-S-A-G-E News, and then at C-A-T-V-47. And there's more. There's also at Report for the number four America. There's at Savannah underscore Mar at W-Y Public Radio. Sean 505, and that's S-H-A-U-N 505 at N-M in depth. Um, Frank... Vaz Vias, and that's um, at J 
SGB Press Gazette, Chris Adland at MT Free Press, Richard Two Bulls at SDPB News. And then the last um, post is there are many more tribal news outlets across the country. And Rebecca says, what I would recommend is researching what tribes are located in the state or the area where you live and follow them. Most tribes have official government handles and many also have a separate news organization. So in regards to that, later on in the show, I'll be playing a panel discussion that happened earlier this year in April. And I know time for a lot of us feels really un just bizarre, like things go by very quickly and very slowly at the same time. It's, wow, it's already July, and also um, it's already July. And I had the this thing yesterday. I woke up, and I've been journaling every day, which is great and helpful. And I, I woke up, and I was like, what day is it? And I thought it was Wednesday, and I looked back at my journal, and the previous day I'd written had been Tuesday. So I'm like, okay, it's Wednesday. And lo and behold, of course, it was Thursday. And that that's not a great story. However, it's that kind of thing where it's really easy to lose track of time and everything, and here we are again, and it's Friday. So that being said, we'll be playing a video that a video of a panel discussion that happened in April, and you folks can find it if you want to follow along at home, if you want to watch the visual part as well. And it's called Land Acknowledgement Panel on Ohlone Land. It's on YouTube. And the uh, YouTube, the name of the folks who posted it, Coyote Woman Creations. And the reason I'm uh, I'm getting I'm playing it on the other computer, so that's I'm just kind of getting. I'm a little bit scattered. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm a bit scattered. However, do have a lot of information to share with folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Started off with music. The first is a song called Horseman by Angelica Garcia, and I heard about that on NPR, and you can also find Angelica's music on Spotify, and uh, there was a new album that was released in 2020 that's there as well. It's gotten really good reviews, and also or afterwards, I played a song called Antifascista by ZSK, and that was thanks to the playlist Songs to Burn Flags to. Speaking of which, I had a dream uh, this past week that I saw Molly Shannon from Saturday Night Live and other things, and she was holding a bunch of medium-sized American flags. And I was like, you know what? If you want to, if you want people to really love you and forget every, you know, not so great sketch you've ever in, you should burn these flags right now. And she was on camera, and she was like, okay, and it was great. It was like, wow, if only life were this easy, right? And she burnt them, and then there was like just a little bit left, and she gave it to me to to smoke like a cigarette. And I don't smoke cigarettes. I never really did. I mean, I tried a few times. It just wasn't my thing, and um, it tasted pretty good. And uh, <sighs> there was more to that story. Anyway, it was a dream about flag burning. So there we go. That's my feelings around July 4th. And what's next? I was going to share. Oh, yeah. So um, thankfully, many folks have been flooding the Board of Supervisors meetings here in San Francisco with calls to not only defund and demilitarize the police, but to disband them altogether. And there was a meeting on Tuesday, I believe, yes, Tuesday, and the public, it was just, you know, an hour or so of the police chief talking about stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. From from those of us who have not really uh, 
it's just it's ridiculous that the police force are asking for more money, given the fact that they're looking to make cuts for Muni, cutting classes and programs and buildings from CCSF, and including the fact that like school uh, teachers from the Unified School District can't afford to live here, a lot of Muni drivers can't afford to live here, etc. Artists, elderly folks, numerous folks, you know, who actually make the city a better place can't afford to live here, while cops who kind of come in from out of town and harass unhoused people for the most part. Um, you know, they, they're somehow asking for millions of dollars more. And thankfully, a lot of folks called in to say, no, this is bullshit, uh, with a lot of great reasons why. And so there's so many ways that the funds can be reallocated to actually help people and also directly um, impact, you know, like the root causes of why people would call the cops in the first place. There are so many people who end up calling the cops on unhoused people. However, for just a fraction of the police budget, you can house everybody. You can also provide mental health services and other health services. It's really it, it, the fact that we're even still talking about it is just a, is just absurd. How I get I guess America has always been militaristic, and it's just been pushed even more so, and it's more in our face. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's been in a lot of people's faces for a long time. So, and there also were head calls in yesterday as well, and the calls initially folks are supposed to get two minutes to talk. However, they shortened it to one minute, and it still went till. Oh, past midnight on on Tuesday. So there are hundreds of people calling in, hundreds of people calling in, and I listened and I went for a walk and it, w- it was like that thing where it just was like ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. And I came home, I was making dinner and it was still on. And after dinner, it was still going on. It was just yeah. So um, it's very I'm grateful for all the folks who are calling in. Also, like I wrote in. You can also write in to the board of supervisors. There's lots of ways to show up. And given the fact that people have been protesting against police violence for so long and it feels it's um it's fucked up that it's taken this long and it's taken this many deaths of people and families torn apart by the police state and also it's the fact that more folks are showing up feels really great so trying to be thankful for that okay uh yes i Met someone once. I don't know why I'm being mysterious about their name. Just someone. They have a name. They have a couple names. Anyway, they took me to this thing, and I am really just, like, falling on the the, the yeah, specifics of storytelling, right? Because details and specifics are supposed to be really good. Yeah, I met this one person who took me to this thing that could be anything and anyone. It was about a club that helps people with speeches and stuff and how you're not supposed to say um and uh. And uh, that's what I was thinking about just now as I was – looking to <laughs> announce the next thing I was going to say. But glad to be here, glad to um, provide news and also ways to, for folks to show up, and we'll be also doing that as well throughout the show. Also, I'm finally putting together a directory of, of the show. And for folks who have been listening for a long time, thanks. Thank you. I don't know why I said with a question mark, thanks. Well, but no, th- seriously, thank you. And it's been going on since twenty late 2013, uh, the last... S- since 2015, those are all online, and I'm putting together a directory of the guests because usually I haven't had guests on in a while. I recognize that, and I, but I love when I have guests on. It's great. So putting together a directory of all the guests that we've had on, as well as stories we've talked about, so folks can go back because the archive is on mutinyradio.fm. However, unless you know the date you want to listen to, it's there's it's kind of hard to find maybe what you're looking for. So I'm working on it, and that's that. Great. That's uh, that's enough of that. 
Okay, so I think, all right, we've got a lot of news items and action items for folks to get to. So I'm going to encourage folks to maybe pick up a pencil or a pen if you're listening and want to write. I, I don't like telling people what to do. However, that's, you know, I guess maybe there should be more of that. Um, I do like being able to share information about folks, ways for people to show up, because that definitely gives me hope and makes me feel less depressed about the world, is that there are so many ways, so many organizers out there, so many folks doing a lot of really important work, and it's important to give them uh, just to, to spread the word. So if you're up for that, get a pen, pencil, however you like to write, computer, whatever. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to actually play this land acknowledgement panel first and then I'll uh, wake up a little bit and share some information of upcoming events and um, ways that folks can show up for your fellow people, fellow human beings. And so again, folks can find this. This is the land acknowledgement panel at uh, on, excuse me, Ohlone Land. You can find it on YouTube, and it's from April 2020. And this was posted um, in 2020, however, um, it... So please welcome our panelists from up fall of 2019. and um, thank them for coming. So there wasn't much planned. Go, go ahead. Okay. Do you want to do opening or shall I have first? Well, I had a plan. Yes. There was an opening. Yes. All right. You can see this is well planned as all of our activities in Indian country are always well planned. <laughs> and then sometimes they actually happen. Mishi Stui. And I didn't really want to start off because I'm in the midst of all these amazing warrior women. So I literally was just going to fetch water, which I've already done, so I'm kind of done for the day. Um, but I want, did want to offer a song. Um, I'm Greg Castro, and I'm Tlaus Linen, and uh, Rumson, and Ramatush Ohlone. Um, I've been working with the uh, Ramatush uh, Association, the Tribal Council, uh, who are the indigenous peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula for a couple of years now and just recently was appointed as the principal uh, tribal consultant to the tribal chair. And all that fancy word means is that uh, I'm here to acknowledge that this is Ramatush land. Uh, and that's why I'm honored and, and deeply uh, humbled to be here. And what I have to offer to start off, and then I'll let these people do all the talking, um, is uh, a song that I often start off with. It, I learned it from uh, my cousin, Lindy Umani, uh, it's uh, from Runson Land down in Monterey who have something very similar to San Francisco, which is fog. And so it's the fog song, and I often sing it when I do presentations because I think in addition to the physical fog, which we don't have much today, but we all always come into a setting often with fog in our own hearts and our own minds. And that includes me too because I always come to this setting thinking I'm going to learn, not just teach or talk at people. 
but I'm going to get something. That's why I often do this. So I want to clear the fog out of my own mind, and I'm willing to share that song with everybody else, and hopefully they'll clear some things out too. So this is a ceremonial song, uh, not a ceremonial song, so you don't have to stand. Our oldest teach our kids that uh, the fog song is very powerful. Um, they sing the song, and then they look up and see if the fog's gone. If it's not gone, they keep on singing it. And it always works. And usually it's not until you're old enough to have your own kids teach them that you finally figure out what they really meant. Oh, it's a way to keep the kids occupied. Because sometimes the fog lasts all day. So hopefully it won't today. I'd spend the time. Thank you. Yes, is it on now? Yep. Can you hear me now? Okay. Good afternoon, relatives. My name is Karina Gould. I'm the traditional spokesperson for the Confederated Villages of Lashan, which is in the East Bay uh, on the other side. I have had the honor and blessing to be born and raised in my home territory um, with an unbroken tie for since the beginning of time. My children and my grandchildren are born there, and, um, and so we have this blessing of being on our lands all the time. I am thankful for being here um, as a guest on the Ramatusha Ohlone territory. Um, thankful for Greg for offering that song for us to begin. Thankful to our sister, uh, Professor Joanne Barker, for uh, honoring us and bringing us here to talk about uh, land acknowledgement, which is really a great uh, opportunity to speak to students and community members about what that actually means. I'm really humbled and honored to be here in the presence of our elder uh, professor, Lanita Warjack, who has um, laid down the foundation of many of the struggles that we have as an American Indian people in general, and so thankful for the work that she's done. And so the work that I have done in my lifetime has been on the backs of my elders. Um, and I think that that's important for us to see. I had the opportunity to be on Sacred Facebook the other night. <laughs> and on Sacred Facebook, my one of my warrior sisters, who is Kanaka Maui from, um, from Hawaii, was writing a story um, and venting. And in the story, she was venting about how frustrated she was with the uh, younger generation and how she had been arrested multiple times and the, the work that she had done over the last three or four decades and to be pushed out along the line uh, away from the, uh, a massive uh, gathering of people that happened last weekend. 
um, because people didn't know who she was. And so I think it's always important for us to remember our traditional teachings of remembering who our elders are and the work that has come before us. And so I just wanted to say that. I wanna say thank you to Greg for the work, the immense work that he's done over years of trying to uh, protect and preserve our sacred sites as well as um, um, being a voice and for Canyon who um, is everywhere um, <laughs> doing as much as she can because she has much more energy than we do right now. <laughs> okay, with all of that, my friend um, you know, talks about these protocols that happen and the protocols have to happen in this way when we acknowledge the people that come before us and that's part of the land acknowledgement as well. We don't live in a vacuum. We live in our territories, and it's a double-edged sword. You know, this morning I woke up to text messages from friends in Berkeley talking about a sacred site of ours being destroyed as she's going to work on Amtrak. Um, last, oh, two weeks ago, I got a phone call from uh, and an email from developers that are um, pulling up my ancestral remains because they're gonna do a development there for housing. We've been in a battle for three years to save the oldest village site on the shores at the West Berkeley Shell Mound. And these are things that folks coming into our territories never have to deal with. And so it has been really in the last, I wanna say the last 20, 25 years really, that people even knew that Ohlone people, the generic term for us, even exist still. It has been because of our dedication to the sacred that has actually allowed people to see us again. It has been because of, of allies and accomplices doing the work with us that people see us again. It has become of the prayers we laid down to our ancestors remembering them so that they could remember us. That allows us to be in this room together with you today. I um, am always humbled and amazed when I wake up to realize that my ancestors, our ancestors collectively lived through three waves of genocide and that it is a miracle that we are still here. The language that I spoke in is Chochenyo, the language of the East Bay. My great-grandfather, Jose Guzman, was one of the last speakers of that language. And so my daughter is learning that language and teaching my grandchildren and other tribal members, and it has been asleep, but it is waking back up. And I believe that as because of my ancestors. So we're here to talk about land acknowledgement, and I think that this is interesting because I've been getting tons of emails, and maybe you guys have been too, about what should we say? Mm -hmm. We want to acknowledge the land all of a sudden. Well, that's interesting for me. It's like, oh, okay. And at first, you know, people were asking over the last couple of years, Karina, can you come and do a land acknowledgement? Can you come and bless the land? Can you come and open up for an event that we're doing? And I thought, wow, this is amazing and wonderful. And, um, and yes, because we haven't been seen in a long time. And then as I settled into all the immense work that has to happen, 
I began to say, you know, maybe the best way to do this is to actually bring us to the table as partners in the work that you're doing. You want us to welcome you onto this land, and there was a ethnic studies conference that happened in Oakland, mm, I wanna say five or six years ago. And we were at the first congregational church in Oakland, and um, I was asked to come and do an opening before Chief Winneman went to um, Kelly Sisk and Angela Davis, and there was one other person on the panel. Um, and so when I, sat, I, I went up to do the welcoming, I reminded people that that was interesting for me to welcome people onto my land when I didn't know who you were. Because when you welcome someone onto your land, there is a reciprocity. There is a, uh, what my, what uh, Dr. Fui Fui Lupe says, it talks about a va. It's about creating this relationship. This relationship between each other and what does that mean? There's a story that I was told about when people would come to our territories that they would stop at the edge of our territories because people knew who was in charge of which land, which water people were obligated to, whose mountain people were obligated to. And they would stop at the edge of that land and they would light a smoke fire and they would wait until someone came and got them. And in waiting for someone to come and get them, other people would stay in the village and they would gather foods and gifts and get ready for gambling and story. And they would bring that person to the village and they would be welcomed with food and they would get, be gifted and they would be gambling games and there would be dancing. And then finally they would ask them, why do you want to be in this territory? And sometimes it was because they wanted to cross to the other side. Maybe they just wanted to come and visit relatives. Maybe they needed to pick medicine or to gather something else. Or maybe they had a message to bring. But it was after all of the protocols that would happen. Today we go across to many different territories whenever we get in our car or on a plane or on a bus and never acknowledge the thousands of ancestors that were there and whose territory we're on because we have no relationship. Land acknowledgement must begin with a relationship with the people on whose land you're on. We can say words, like many universities right now, UC Systems and other places are looking for the words Give me the words that I can say at the beginning of each meeting, at the beginning of each graduation. Corporations, tell us the words that we're supposed to say to acknowledge your ancestors. But are those corporations or universities or community centers doing work with the original people of the lands? And that's where it comes, for me, the deepest meaning is to really acknowledge that you are on someone else's homeland. When I talk to fourth graders, I say, hey, when you go to your best friend's house, how do you behave yourself? And they'll say, well, we say thank you and please. We don't break people's stuff. We ask. We don't rummage through the refrigerator, right? Those are things as adults that we teach our children and our grandchildren. But as adults, do we do the same thing 
when we come to someone's territory because you're in someone else's home. Do we continue to say thank you and please? Do we not break things? Do we take care of things like they're our own or better? And so land acknowledgement comes with all of those things as well for me. So I think that we've grown in leaps and bounds over the last 20 years when nobody knew us at all. That people are coming to us looking for guidance about what those words could be. And I think the next step I'm looking for is how do we now live in reciprocity with one another on our homelands? No one is going home. This is becoming other folks' home as well. We want to be good hosts and we need good guests. And so when I look at land acknowledgement today, I wanna say yes, I wanna create those words. I want us to remember the genocide that happened on these lands. I want us to remember how people are now coming to our lands looking for a home. I want us to remember that we as human beings need to see each other as human beings again. I want us to remember that 200 years ago in any of our territories, there was no such thing as homelessness, there was no such thing as hunger, and every creek in our territories you could drink fresh water out of. Our songs are about abundance, and there is an abundance here. The Bay Area is full of magic because I believe our ancestors prayed for us for thousands of years and put that magic in this land. There are things that are grown here, ideas and movements that are grown nowhere else in the world. And I believe that we need to have that reciprocity with the land as well. I'm gonna stop there. Thank you. Mishmin Tuhis, Conracott Canyon, Coyote Woman, Sarah's Roots. I come from Indian Canyon Nation I am the daughter of tribal chairwoman Anne-Marie Sayers of the Indian Canyon Mutsun Band of Coast to Noan Ohlone people. I identify as an Ohlone California native or Coast to Noan Ohlone Mutsun, of which two of those terms are misnomers. Coast to Noan is what the Spaniards called us. Ohlone is a common term that some of the original peoples of the Bay Area identify with. I proudly identify as an Ohlone person. However, I do recognize that some of my cousins do not identify with that term. I am Mutsun, that is the language of my ancestors. And I introduce myself, um, Kanrakat, my name is. And I recognize that I am a very privileged California indigenous woman who's able to say that she has been born and raised on the land of her ancestors, where my grandmothers, 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 grandmothers have always been from. I'm very privileged and lucky and blessed to have been raised in a traditional and intertribal community space where I have witnessed many culture sharing opportunities with California indigenous community members, intertribal and international visitors. And so calling that home, having been raised off the grid in Indian Canyon, which is the only federally recognized Indian country between Sonoma and Santa Barbara, along Central Coastal California. That being said, we have Great and Rancheria, federally recognized people, federally recognized lands, down towards Santa Barbara, San Inez, 
uh, Rancheria, federally recognized people, federally recognized land. Indian Canyon is a tiny trust allotment that President Taft identified my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, <laughs> uh, as an indigenous person. So we have federally recognized Indian country, land, and we consider ourselves a sovereign community. However, no tribal recognition, no help, no perks, no anything like that. I see the pros and cons of that whole federal recognition process. I try to avoid some of those conversations. Uh, <clears throat> but I recognize that that is the home of my ancestors. And having been raised there, I see how lucky and privileged I am. And I recognize that I was always on what we acknowledge as indigenous protocol, those respect that respectful etiquette. Similarly to how we visit our neighbor and we knock on a door. Well, if you don't have a lot of doors and fences, how do you come to the edge? And so I was always on the receiving end, always seeing people bring gifts and seek consensual, respectful relations with my mother, and then find out if it's okay to continue talking and progressing towards a conversation or a potential opportunity to uh, have ceremony on the land or wherever they may need my mother's help or our community to come together. So being on that receiving end uh, and witnessing that as a normal occurrence, I recognize how unique that is. And then as I travel around the Bay, I am always learning. I have stumbled and I'm always growing. I do not, <laughs> like even today, in recognizing that here we are in San Francisco, or what I would say is here we are in Yolamu, in Ramatush Ohlone territory. And whenever I attempt to travel the Bay, I try and learn more. So I'm, I don't talk the same way as I do two years ago, four years ago, 10 years ago. Mm. And so in that we grow and it's how we walk forward with this new information. And then I, because I am so young and exuberant and supposedly have this abundant energy, <laughs> could you believe at 17 and 19 and 22 I was an introvert? Yeah, it, it, it was true. <clears throat> and I learned to synthesize social energies. So I've shifted how I uh, engage in the public and because I have uh, a nice indigenous singing voice, I can't read music and I can't keep a tune with other songs, but a nice indigenous singing voice, my mother pushed me because she said she can't sing. And uh, she, she and my grandmother have always taught and shared that when ceremony, singing and dancing stops, so does the earth. And my mother participates in ceremony and there are so many dances that happen on our land and in spaces that we go to. And because she's like, and now my amazing daughter can sing. My mother could sing. I don't know where it went for me, but she would always push me. So around 15, she would push me in front and, and get me to sing. So she, my mother would do the land acknowledgement and acknowledge the space and attempt to do her best in honoring the ancestors of the territories that she visits, and then she would have me sing. And, and from those opportunities and uh, extra oomph, I've gotten a cha many chances to go into many spaces. And from there, being of assistance to my mother in areas where uh, sometimes she would want to talk about different things and she would share things and I'd be like, oh, and don't forget that. Oh, and don't forget that. She goes, oh, well, is there something you have to say? <laughs> and I'm just like, no, these are all the things that you say. I just wanted to make sure that it came up. And so from there, she gave me more opportunities to speak. And then 
she likes to she likes to point out San Francisco State University. One of the days, I can't remember if she wasn't feeling well or if she had something. She had San Francisco State University as a field trip, and she pushed me to go and welcome them. She, and, and she came down, and she heard what I had shared. She's like, she's taking all my lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so when coming into these spaces, I'd, I'd make sure she had priority of everything she wanted to share, and then I'd fill in the gaps. And from there, I learned that a lot of what I was raised with is not familiar. So how best do I offer myself as a resource or someone who can inspire or instigate or be a catalyst to start these conversations? And I understand that my elders and some of my community members or some community members would say, I don't need to tell them this because they should know. And I understand that. And I'm sitting here like, but how will they know if they don't know? And then how do we get these conversations to happen? And so I, at times, see myself as some of that in-between. So <laughs> the way Karina perfectly lined it up saying, um, my abundant energy and do what I can, I always say I will do what I can, when I can, where I can, wherever I can, to do my best to honor my ancestors to honor truth and history, and to be a good ancestor in training. And from that, I uh, am blessed to have amazing mentors, and I have learned a lot from allies, so much. And I recognize that we're all impacted by colonization, that if we recognize that if we honor our ancestors and honor truth and history, we learn that all of our ancestors have indigenous lineages from the land that they come from. And then in that, recognizing indigenous protocol, who are the ancestors and who are the communities who have always been stewarding the lands that we are present at? And how can we be good guests? And so recognizing that colonization is a mentality. So we can heal from that. We can work on that. We can grow from that. And I'm ever inspired by who I encounter and what I encounter. So from the work that I do with the Roaming Ohlone, <laughs> to uh, utilizing my graphic design skills to create a mini zine about acknowledging native lands here in the Bay Area and um, methods of allyship or guidelines and practices that are always ever developing and bringing in more perspectives of community members and being diligent to respect individual protocols but try and give a quick little sense of here's some guidelines, here's some little bits that can be helpful in a journey to connect with community and connect and bond with truth and history. And so I am just really lucky to see my community members like Melissa Nelson and Lenita Warjack and Karina and Greg and so many other beings. I see them as my superstars. They are my role models and there's something to be said that when your role models are attainable and when you get a chance to interact with them and they see you, it feels so much better than idolizing a potential celebrity that you may or may not get a chance to encounter. When you have someone who you respect and who is a role model and then they see you, there's something very powerful with that. So I would love to also share space with Greg and then a little bit more. A bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
Yeah, this whole thing was well planned. Um, <laughs> amongst us, we got together five seconds before we got up here. Mm. Uh -huh. Decided what we're gonna best do. way to do it. Um, one thing, just in listening these two talk about their their experience, uh, it, it occurred to me something that I you know spent several years doing is uh, working uh, as a consultant and instructing various government agencies at different levels, particularly with state parks on how to consult with Native communities. And the first thing I tell them when I, when I come up to the front of the room, I says, forget everything you know. Because what you, what you know is what you think you know, and it's probably wrong. And the next thing I usually tell them is that what we're going to talk about today, and hopefully it's interactive, is that uh, trying to describe native concepts in English and those particularly working on any language, as uh, we are up here at any level, will tell you that English sucks. That's a technical description. You can, you can put that in your dissertations if you like. <laughs> Don't know what the grade's going to be, but... And, and I think part of that is, you know, the, the, when you were saying, talking about the word land acknowledgement, right, that's actually relatively recent because we used to do welcoming mm. to people who were already here, by the way. Mm. So, um, and then blessings was the other one. That's even harder considering our history. So, so recently somebody asked me about that. She says, you know, we, they used, used to, used of the word welcoming or blessing, and they heard me say, you know, uh, to put it down as a land acknowledgement, I was asked to, to open something up. And I said, well, you can just, if, if you know, I said land acknowledgement, we do. He says, well, what that's a, what's that about? And he says, just uh, acknowledging the place you're from, that you're on, and who was there before you. And I think they w went to one of the places that I suggested this, was a little, still a little confused, so they said opening. They just said opening. Mm. So I was part of the opening. So w this word of land acknowledgement to me is very business-like. And that's one of the other things I talked about to government agencies. I said, you come to us and ask for your consultation to check off that box. And for us, it's not business. It's personal. It's intimate. It's deeply moving to us in a way that we don't see with other people in their own lives, let alone in what they think they know about our lives. Because what most Americans, to use that phrase, know about their history is an immense 500 years, right? You know, Crest got lost about 525 years ago. And he bumped into an island and it, and then the Europeans found out about us and started to come. And that's what they call history. And for us, that was like last week. Mm. Because we've been here since time immemorial, we use that term, the dawn of time. Our s most of our stories talk about us being here when the world was made the way we see it now. And we were brought in to take care of it. And archeologically, that's more than now 15,000 years, and that number that keeps moving. Because when I started working on site protection and, and uh, archaeology in the early 90s, it was like 8,000 years. 
And if you said a five-digit word, five yeah, digit. yeah, if you said 10,000 years, oh, you, you're a radical. Bearing straight theory. <laughs> and of course, now, just, just within the last month, they've talked about a documented site up by Seattle, I believe, that's at 16,600 years. And that's the officially accepted amongst the archaeological community number. And then you have all the other crazies who are even further along, including a group of archaeologists saying 130,000 in San Diego. And my elders would say, well, they're getting closer. <laughs> they're getting closer. They'll catch up eventually. Yes, yes, it's Western science. It's part of their business plan. And for us, it's not business. So what does it mean for me to be acknowledging land? Well, I did my song with this. This is the most common of our musical instruments in California. It's a clapper stick. And they're generally made out of elderberry. And my dad's uh, community, the Slim community, South Ohlone, our origin stories say we are made from elderberry. So we're made from the very thing from the earth we came from. And we have a more than 15,000 years at least bond with that place. So to say land acknowledgement doesn't begin to describe our relationship with that place we came from. It is a deeply intimate connection. Last night I was asked at the last minute to do a pitch for a grant that's going to work with some Maloney people to do some cultural things in the public in San Jose. And so I had to write something <laughs> at the last minute. And uh, I talked about, uh, imagine having an intimate relationship with a place, with the place of your birth. And most people think of their mother as the place of their birth with an umbilical cord. And then imagine that umbilical cord being ripped off while you still need it. And then imagine and having to be in that place since that time and feel that loss every single day and trying to reestablish, renew it, keep it going in the midst of the chaos of the newcomers, many of whom themselves are ripped from their own homelands and had their own umbilical cords ripped and dealing with that trauma and in one elder who told me, he says, and they're taking it out on us. Another elder said, well, they got kicked out of their paradise. That's what their Bible tells them. So they're trying to come and kick us out of ours. We ain't leaving. So land acknowledgement, like many of the concepts we talk about, are, is really awkward to say in English. Even for those of us who don't know a lot of our language, but we know our language did a lot better job of, deci of describing that intimate, deep, personal connection that we have. That we're now going to come out in front of a bunch of people and say, yeah, you're on Yoama. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Have a nice convention. Which is what it usually winds up being. And we're gonna, we will do that because we need to because that's started the process. Because, you know, like 
Karina said, you know, it wasn't that long ago where they didn't even know couldn't what a loney was. Or if they did, they were all those extinct people that used to be here. <laughs> and I, I remember that story. And then when I met Canyon, she was in first grade, I think. <laughs> and she talked about coming from her school growing up and hearing that same story, that coming home to Anne and Anne Marie and saying, Mom, they said I'm extinct. If you're Indian, you're dead. <laughs> quote, end quote. Yes. So now we get to do land acknowledgement. So there's, is, well, we're sort of here. <laughs> so I guess that's progress. Thank you. Button, button. <laughs> is that, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for acknowledging uh, all of us and bringing forth the information on land acknowledgement, I think it's extremely valuable to learn what we just learned today, don't you think? I mean, how many of us knew that? I mean, I, I knew some, but I didn't know as described in the way that, say, Karina talked about visiting a home and how a child acts within that home. And that just really brings it so clearly that we, that is something you can remember, that all of us can remember. I really appreciate uh, having this information and for bringing it to the nation as well because all of the tribes are starting that now and it started from here and so it was really good uh, what you had to say about the magic in California. <laughs> well, we like to think so. We're a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of the tribes now are finally getting to that point. Like just in Idaho, within the last month, we had uh, situations where we had to go to a town that their logo was the Redskins. Mm. And so we, we had to talk to them about that. And no one knew anything about protocol or land acknowledgement mm. uh, to even bring it up or talk about it. And of course I had to try to do what little I could to talk about it, but I wasn't one of the official speakers. I just had to try to jump in and get a few words <laughs> in edgewise, but <clears throat> it's real important in, in all of the towns and the cities and where we live to have that land acknowledgement. And of course, with Indigenous Peoples Day coming up, it's, it's very important. So I just wanted to make a few comments and thank you for bringing this information to us because it's, it's very important. And especially considering that we're all still alive, we're still here. <laughs> you know, my, my dad always said that people will try to destroy an anthill, you know, kick it or burn it or do all kinds of harmful things. And I don't know why they do that, but they do that. And then there'll be these few little ants crawling away 
And he says, that's who we are. That's what we came through. So thank you. It was very helpful and inspirational for all of us, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Right, and welcome back, or not back, because we're still here, and that was a land acknowledgement panel on Ohlone land, which took place in the fall of 2019, San Francisco State. You can find the full video on YouTube, and Again, it was um, shared by the Coyote Woman Creations uh, page on YouTube. So we're going to take a break, and I'm going to play some music. And this is from, this is really sweet. It's kids from PS22 in Staten Island, New York, and a few songs of theirs um, that really are, I think, quite uplifting. So I'm going to play that, and then we'll be back in a bit with some news items. Stay tuned. In the middle, right? <laughs> Between the two ladies. <laughs> Keep me in check. <laughs>
welcome back. That was the PS22 chorus with a few songs there. Last was Idiotech by Radiohead. Before that, Shout Tears for Fears. Before that, True Colors by Cindy Lauper. You can find these on YouTube. They've got lots more, and perhaps I'll play some more throughout the show. Okay, getting to some news here, and I've got a lot of information. The first is an email received from Center for Political Education, which is a great local organization. They have a lot of panel discussions and events, and folks can find out more information if you go to the Center for Political Education online. And you can also make donations as well. And so here from Rachel Herzing is a few items of a weekly wrap-up of updates. I'll provide the headlines here, and so folks can go to them, the sources, if you'd like to read more. There's a lot to get to, of course. So updates. Uh, Trump claims victory as USC's COVID-19 29 case records in multiple states, and that's by Tom Lutz and Martin Pengeli for The Guardian. Native Americans uh, hail oil and gas pipeline decisions uh, by Gabrielle Gurley for The American Prospect. BLM protesters have been driven into with cars over 60 times since May. That's by Ray Levy Uyeda for Mike, and that's MIC. San Francisco Hotel Cleanings in Bid to Revive Economy by Nicholas Iovino for Courthouse News Service. Soups examine police budget during long committee hearing, and that's what I mentioned earlier on in the show, and that's from Bay City News Service. America's great racial reckoning comes to the auto industry as some Ford employees call for an end of cop car manufacturing. That's by Aaron Foley for Jalopnik. Holding U.S. government to its treaty promises for once, Supreme Court rules nearly half of Oklahoma still Native American territory. And that's by Julia Conley for Common Dreams. Police surveyed George Floyd protests with help from Twitter-affiliated startup Data Miner, and that's D-A-T-A-M-I-N-R, by Sam Biddle for The Intercept. Activists keep Argentina's abortion reform on the agenda despite COVID-19 by Cora Fernandez-Anderson for NACLA. How Black and Brown Workers Are Redefining Strikes in the Digital COVID Age by Mike Elk for Payday Report. As coronavirus surges, Houston confronts its hidden toll, people dying at home. That's by Mike Hixenbow and Charles Ornstein from NBC News. As far as the analysis goes, uh, how we can truly repay our frontline workers, frontline health workers, clear their debts. And that's by Elisa Court, Astra Taylor, who has a new book coming out, and Brittany M. Powell from The Guardian and the Economic Hardship Reporting Project. Next up, Police and the Wealth of Nations, Deja Vu or Unfinished Business by Peter Linebow. That's for Counterpunch, Jobs, Bloodbath slash Basic Income Grants, uh, Season 2, Episode 5 of Radio New Frame, How I Became a Police Ab- Abolitionist by Derricka Purnell for The Atlantic, Justice for Francois Haitian Americans in the Movement for Black Lives by Marina Maguar for Scalawag, Mining Communities Bear the Burden of Disease by Neil Overy for New Frame. COVID-19 has invaded San Quentin Prison to save lives. People must be released by Joshua Connor for Yahoo News. Policing Doesn't Protect Women by Isabel Cristo for The New Republic. So that there's uh, lots of info there. Again, you can find more at the Center for Political Education. Big thanks to Rachel for putting that 
email together with lots of links to lots of news items. And of course, we can only get to so much. So I wanted to provide uh, a list there for folks if you'd like to learn more. All right. Next up, I'm going to go into one of the topics mentioned, which is about getting folks out of prison. There was a news story this morning about how Newsom may release up to 8,000 folks who are incarcerated in California, which would be really, really good news. Um, and this next piece of news item, it's for about women prisoners, and there's an organization. If you go to uh, womenprisoners.org, um, they have programs and news, and you can also donate, excuse me, and resources as well. And they also include a recent post they have is a women's prison journal State Prisoners' Daily Diary During Pandemic. And there's been, you know, with what the folks who run prisons say versus what actually happens inside, there's a big difference. Uh, I have a pen pal who's incarcerated at the at CCWF and in Chowchilla, and she's been saying that she's scared, and she knows of people who inside who have tested positive for COVID. However, when we look at the CDCR website, it says no one at that facility has been tested or has tested positive. So clearly, the way the folks who run the prisons, what they communicate is not true. So we really have to get the truth out, you know, find what's actually happening and also find a way to keep people safe. And, you know, folks who are incarcerated, I mean, it's – people do not deserve a death sentence. It's just – it's – reprehensible. So there's also a story from SF Chronicle um, written by Jason Fagone, and that's F-A-G-O-N-E. Uh, the story features CCWP members April Harris and Rianne uh, Theraltadum, as well as additional CCWP spokespeople who spoke out anonymously at the article facilitated by CCWP's media team, and this came out on June 12, 2020. Um, and they have a chart about coronavirus in prisons. Since the start of the pandemic, the coronavirus has infiltrated several California state prisons with outbreaks worsening in recent weeks. Cases at California Correctional Facilities as of June 6th, and they have a chart, and it's up, it's like over 2,000 in June. As far as women's total cases, it looks like it's about 157. And again, this was as of June. For the California prison population, uh, the total of folks incarcerated in California is 111,072. For men, it's 106,684. For women, it's 4,388. And I'll read a bit here. And again, this is from women's pri womenprisoners.org. April Harris, 44-year-old inmate at California Women's Coronavirus She has battled a dry cough, but that's not the bad part of being sick behind bars. The bad part, she is the atmosphere of neglect and chaos that has taken hold of as the virus burns through the California Institution for Women, a 1,500-inmate prison in Riverside County owned and operated by the state. The bad part is listening to the screams of her fellow prisoners and her friends. Someone is yelling for help over and over and over, Harris wrote on May 20th in a running journal of her experiences, which she eventually shared with prisoner advocacy groups and the Chronicle through a prison email service called JPay. No one is coming. This one is scaring me. She keeps screaming. It's piercing. Four days earlier, in an attempt to slow the spread of the virus, officials at the institution had transferred many infected prisoners 
to a part of the facility once used for training inmates to fight wildfires. There, the prisoners have been quarantined in isolation with little ability to leave their cells, even to take showers, and only sporadic access to email and phone calls. Some of these women haven't showered in four days, Harris wrote in another journal entry on May 20th. An inmate ran out of her room when they opened her door for breakfast and is refusing to go back in. She is screaming she wants to talk to her family. Lydia Alvarez sits on her bunk bed, which she had to cover with a prison-issue blanket. Her bed is a her bed is in a converted day room shared by 38 women at the California Institute for Women in Corona, where the inmate population of 1,500 is at an all-time high. Okay, so that's the um, caption for the photo that they've included in the article. Throughout the last two weeks of May, Harris continued to document the shrieks and pleas of her fellow prisoners. Sometimes, she wrote in her journal, the women are were protesting against the severe conditions in the unit, and other times they were calling for medical help, seemingly for health conditions unrelated to the virus, though it wasn't always clear. According to Harris's journal, help often did not arrive in a timely way. And the article goes on. If you'd like to read it, please go to womenprisoners.org, and it's also a good organization that folks can donate to. So again, this is also what's what's happening, and the pandemic is really, it's just really showing just how disturbing and unjust the society we live in is, and how it's based on punishment, uh, unjust punishment for so many people. <sighs> okay. <sighs> All right. Next up. Uh, this is from uh, APTP. It's a local organization. You can follow them on Twitter at APTP Action. And this is a post from July 9th. Justice for Stephen Taylor. People of color in mental health crises continue to be shot and killed because of egregious, brutally racist law enforcement practices. COVID-19 is ravaging the mental health of black communities as they experience sickness and death at alarming rates. This is Justin, Justice for Stephen Taylor. Take action. And uh, on April 18th, 33-year-old beloved community member Stephen Taylor was murdered by police in a San Leandro Walmart the officer who killed Mr. Taylor, the only person close to him at the time, had a number of choices in the moments leading to Mr. Taylor's death. So the demands are to release the names of the officers that murdered Stephen Taylor and to fire and arrest them. And uh, But it's abundantly clear in the multiple videos that the officer did not see justice for Stephen Taylor's humanity because if the officer had seen Stephen Taylor as a human being, Mr. Taylor would still be here today he did not need to die. So there's a number of folks that people can contact here, and that's in San Leandro, the mayor, Pauline Cutter. You can email pauline at pcutter at sanleandro.org. Jeff Tudor, who's the chief of police, and that's J-T-U-D-O-R at sanleandro.org. Nancy O'Malley, who's the DA, info at alcoda.org. Uh, Wilma Chan, who's the Alameda County Board of Supervisors, wilma.chan at acgov.org. Also the City Council, there's Deborah Cox, dcox at sanleandro.org. Ed Hernandez, edhernandez at sanleandro.org. 
Victor Aguilar Jr. That's V-A-G-U-I-L-A-R at SanLeandro.org. Benny Lee, which is B. Lee at SanLeandro.org. Karina Lopez, and that's C-L-O-P-E-Z at SanLeandro.org. And the Vice Mayor, Peter Ballou, and that's P-B-A-L-L-E-W at SanLeandro.org. And they also provide their phone numbers as well. Again, you can find this um, on the um, APTP Action Twitter. And it's been over two months since Justice Fort Stephen Taylor was murdered by SLPD. APTP Action is amplifying the calls of Mr. Taylor's family and loved ones, demands the city of San Leandro release the names of the officers responsible for Mr. Taylor's death and that they be fired and arrested. So there's another, there's also ways you can also support. You can sign the petition to demand San Leandro leaders write a new letter to Attorney General, and that's bit.ly forward slash 38TBI3X. You can donate. You can support Stephen's family with legal fees as well as help to financially support his children and family with expenses, and that's bit.ly forward slash 31MEFGD. And you can also show up. Stephen's loved ones will hold an event in person and online. So this already happened in June and or that's June 10th. Okay. Uh, so they're also asking to help with help spreading the word in these efforts in order to call out San Leandro, Alameda County officials and council reps to demand justice for Stephen Taylor and also amplify the uh, petition, which is on change.org and the GoFundMe. Okay. So the actually the actions today, July 10th, and I'm going to read more information about that. There's a Facebook event that folks can find. You type in justice for Steven Taylor. Release the officer's names. Again, it's happening today, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Facebook Live. And I'll read about the, uh, the info. People are meeting in front of SLPD. Uh, bring your voice. Wear a mask. And also will be, looks like, streaming on Facebook Live. So again, you can find more information on Facebook. Justice for Stephen Taylor, release the officer's names. <sighs> okay. Next up. There's also um, strikes that are continuing to happen. Uh, it's ridiculous that workers are being asked to go back to work. And instead, and while there is a uh, millionaires are being bailed out, hate groups are getting funding it's fucking ridiculous it's disgusting and also it's the united states it's kind of par for the course with a in a militaristic uh country that uh, doesn't fucking care about the people so for you can follow fight 415 on twitter at fight for the number one five breaking july 20th workers across the country will walk off their jobs there is no economic justice without racial justice you can rsvp for the strike Black Lives at bit.ly forward slash strike the number four BL. Again, this is happening July 20th, 2020, and you can read more information. There's um, an article by Aaron L. Morrison uh, on Twitter. You can follow at A-A-R-O-N-L-M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N. Uh, find more information there. Do support the workers. Okay. Next up, lots of action items, lots of things to do. There's a lot that's wrong, and also so many ways that folks can show up to create a world that's just and safe for everyone. It's possible. 
Okay, this is from Five Elements SF, and it's the number five uh, elements SF. You can follow them on Twitter. Join AROC Bay Area, and that's A-R-O-C, Bay Area, and organizations statewide in speaking out to defend Arab American studies in the model curriculum for high schools across California. Please share these three critical ways to support this campaign for an inclusive ethnic studies course. And they have a link in their bio. Um, save Arab American Studies. Um, so let's see here. You can go to the website, first of all. That's savearabamericanstudies.org. You can sign and share their petition. They have a link in the bio. Again, savearabamericanstudies.org. You can take a solidarity selfie. Use hashtag Save Arab American Studies and hashtag Arab American Studies is Ethnic Studies and tag at AROC underscore Bay Area on Instagram and at AROC Bay Area on Twitter. You can also send public comment now. That, okay. Visit uh, their public webpage, which is the one I've mentioned, SaveArabAmericanStudies.org. And on there, there's a link, send public comment for instructions and talking points for sending public comment to the IQC. Okay. All right. Whew. Okay. So that is a lot of information. Whew. Went through that a lot more quickly than I thought I would. So with that, I think it's time to play some more music. And I enjoyed hearing uh, PS22. It was uplifting. And it's also a reminder that we all were kids once. I know sometimes it's hard to remember especially with time being as weird as, as it is, but recognizing if kids have education programs and arts in their schools, how enriching that is and how wonderful that is. And also when we're talking, especially about folks who are incarcerated, for instance, and people who have been killed by police, these people were fucking kids once. Oh, excuse me, I shouldn't have sworn. People were kids once. There we go. That's better. Uh, people were kids once. And when you look at kids and just imagine... how we need to create a society where folks are taken care of and nurtured instead of punished. Okay. Calm down a bit. Well, I'm probably not going to calm down. If I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I'm not going to calm down because it's enraging to live in this kind of world. So I'm going to, let's see, going to take a look here for some other songs of theirs to play. And I found most of these on YouTube. Originally, it was on... Um, Twitter yesterday, and actually that's probably where I'll find uh, the first one I'm going to get to now. And as much as I love the uh, songs to burn flags to, it's also nice to have uh, some other songs by kiddos. Okay. And so this was shared yesterday by at um, L-A-Y-L-O-L-O-G-Y um, with the with the tweet, uh, I don't care what you losers are arguing about. I'm watching a children's choir sing Bjork. So going to get to this one here, and then I'll look for some other ones as well.
beautiful. Welcome back. Again, that's PS22. <sighs> Bit of a, a palette cleanser as well. I want to share some upcoming events that are happening uh, on July 19th um, through Poor Magazine. There is going to be How Not to Call the Police Ever and Build an Elephant Council. So I'm going to click on the link right now and share ways that folks can register. And I'll read a little bit, read a little bit about the description. This is got, You can find it on Eventbrite. Again, July 19th through Poor Magazine. How Not to Call Police Ever and Build a Elephant Council. This workshop teaches how a landless people's self-determined movement never engages with state-sponsored murderers and instead built an indigenous poor people model of accountability, respect, and care, which we call the Elephant Council. In this workshop, featuring the poor, unhoused, disabled, black, brown, indigenous, elder, and youth leaders, artists, cultural workers of Poor Magazine, Prensa Pobre, Poor News Network, PNN, Homefulness, who have practiced this concept for 21 years, even throughout their own collective traumas, colonization, gentri gentrification, family violence, eviction, incarceration, displacement, betrayal, and the attempted takedown of the landless people's movement called Homefulness. Walking and wheeling this swag among a poor and indigenous peoples-led movement means facing our demons all the time because we all come out of collective trauma experiences of racism, white supremacy, ableism, family violence, false borders, eviction, houselessness, criminalization, elder and child abuse, sexual violence, rape, incarceration, police violence, genderism, hate crimes, and so much more. This workshop will take participants through the model of the Elephant Council, a poor indigenous people, traumatized people's accountability circle, which includes a redefinition of the silently violent Western white supremacist notion of security and enables us to hold each other through trauma and institute a true definition of interdependent safety. Let's be honest, over 70% of police calls are petty and can be solved without police. In this workshop, we go within to solve our community's problems. At this critical point today, with the talk of defunding police, we must be that transition, not only in responsibility, love for our neighbors, but be ready to but be ready for those funds that must come back to our community. It's a new mind shift and a different way we see our community. We must know that any major transition in this country takes time and an openness to relearn, knowing that we will make mistakes, but also knowing we must have each other's backs. Through participatory exercises, theater, prayer and poetry, po poverty scholars, and elephant co-leaders, Lisa Tiny Gray Garcia, Leroy Moore, Mutadio Silencio, Auntie Francis Moore, and more will take us all through one way of a collective shift away from the lie of state-sponsored murder and into the realness of what we can build ourselves. So again, this is happening July Monday from 6 p.m. Again, you can find more if you go to um, it might be Pacific time actually. So let me go just double check here before go on to the next item. Again, if you go to poormagazine.org, you can um, 
need more information, you can also sign up for their mailing list. So you can sign up for them as well. As they've got media, they've got solutions and actions, education, art, or about stuff they haven't published as well. So that's how you find more information. They also have a um, Academy Youth and Media Paid Mentorship, which folks can support, which is teaching and mentoring formerly houseless and um, houseless black and brown youth to write and produce radio, video on police terror and gun violence in their own families and communities and lives for the next issue of De Decolonies and TNN KEXU radio. And they get paid stipends for their work. Mentorship also includes learning and doing construction on homefulness a homeless people's solution to homelessness, med mediation, basketball, and Aztec dance. And you can also um, purchase masks for folks as well. And so, yeah, they have a lot of links. So I'm going to go find more information. I'm gonna take a break, actually, because I've been talking quite a bit. I'll play some more music here, and uh, uh, let's hear from some more of those kiddos. Oh, here's a good one. So stay tuned, we'll be back in a Now, our version, I think, is a little different from what you guys do. Fortunately, we're in the same key, though, so that's good. So, thank God it's right. So, can you, can you get your mind adapted to oh, I love you guys. See, this is why I love these guys. Ladies. Because, right? Women. You know. Ladies. Ladies.
guests, 22, and some guests. I'm feeling <sighs> ready to end the show here. So I'm going to uh, take take us out here. I don't know why I feel so tired. Just There's a lot. Yeah, probably just because there's so much going on in the world and witnessing it and seeing it aloud and acknowledging it exists and wanting to create a better world. I did want to play some of the callers from Tuesday's uh, Board of Supervisors meeting. Um, perhaps I'll get a chance to next week. Uh, yeah, again, thanks for so much, so many folks for showing up. I also wanted to uh, there's still so much violence against uh, trans women out there and wanted to share names of folks who have been killed. Um, Transgender Law Center shared this tweet on July 6th, and they say, yeah, since last week, which was the previous week, uh, six black trans women have been found dead. I repeat their names back aloud. So there's Brayla Stone from Little Rock, Arkansas, Marcy Mack from Dallas, Texas, Jackie Peters from Elite City, Louisiana, Drea McCarty from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tatiana Hall from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Bree Black Beach, Florida. So have a moment of silence for these women. finish up the show here. Thanks folks for tuning in. You can find our archive, mutinyradio.fm uh, If you're interested in having a show here of your own, you can do so. Uh, we got lots of slots available. If you'd like to donate to the station, we're on, you can find the link on our website, mutinyradio.fm If you'd like to donate to this show in particular, it'd be greatly appreciated. We have a Patreon up, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back next week.
Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Eh, 
anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19th, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old. He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic healthcare systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling, he was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch, and, uh, and, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm just not, I'm not moving it, you know? I've arrived, why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. One nine seven six. Go for it. Call in, guys.
Hey everybody, listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you 
and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5% percent Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full length. Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month.